I don't think we get it. I don't think we have a really true metric for understanding where we are in light of who God is. God is holy. Isaiah says, as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways. One time I thought of it like this. Think about right below your feet. From that place all the way to the outermost reaches of the universe, which is ever expanding as far as the heavens are above the earth, as far as the space from beneath your feet up to the infinite expanding universe above you, as far as that are God's ways above our ways, Isaiah says. And yet sometimes as Christians, as religious people, even as just normal people, we think we're pretty darn good. But are we? What's our standard? You know, in Scripture, God does say, Be holy as I am holy. Like he's saying, Hey, even though it's a really high standard, this is something you're to be reaching for. There's a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that says, Aim for a star. You may not get there, but at least your course will remain true. And it's like that with God's holiness, right? We're, we're reaching for it, but we're always falling far, far short. I mean, earth to heavens, pretty far. But yet, sometimes we actually do think we're doing well. I talked about that some in an earlier public podcast about how we're relativized by the world around us. And we, we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, as Paul says in Colossians. And we, like, we're deceived about our true standing and our true state. That's what today's pop-up podcast is about. It's about our standing before God. And it's also about the nation of Israel as they were getting ready to enter the promised land. It's something that God said to them, which I think God wants to say to us as well. Hey guys, Construction Monk here. This is a pop-up podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. Let's go ahead and get in to the episode. The text today is from Deuteronomy chapters 8 through 10. One of the early, early books of the Bible in the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures. This is a record of Israel coming to the promised land. And in chapters 8 through 10, God has some things to say to them before they go in. Remember, they've come out of Egypt. They spent 40 years traveling through the desert, which technically would have only taken them about 11 days to cross. They wandered for 40 years. We'll we'll get into why in this passage because God reminds them of why as they're getting ready to enter, but they're on the precipice of the promised land. They're getting ready to enter in so many good things that God has prepared for them. And yet God has something for them. He has a a message. He has a warning for them as they're about to enter. That's what I want to talk about and look at in Deuteronomy 8 through 10. But first, we should probably read the meme. (laughs) Let's readeth the memeeth. I said that last time. I thought that was kind of funny. Ah, Here it is. In the schoolhouse of God, we're all still in kindergarten. Kindergarten. That's a German word. Kinder means child. Garten is like care. Child care. Like kindergarten. In the schoolhouse of God, we're all still in kindergarten. What am I talking about? What's that got to do with Deuteronomy chapters 8 through 10? <laughs> Wheels are turning, baby. Um, look, the first thing I just want to say is like, we don't have any real true metrics to determine our standing before God. Like, we're standing before God. But yet, what do we do? We, we look at the people standing around us and we're like, eh. 
there's Joe, there's Susan, there's Jake, there's Johnny, there's April, there's Callie, there's, you know, <laughs> there's all kinds of funky new names than the new generations, including my own kids. Uh, but like, we look around us, right? And we're like, you know what? Relatively speaking, I'm pretty good. And like, that's where we live. Like, God is invisible. His qualities are visible through what is seen, what is created, right? As Romans chapter one says, but like, it's hard to really get a grasp of who God is. Like as far as the heavens are above the earth, right? So are my boys above your ways? Like, okay, so we can say God is very austere, ethereal, hard to grasp his character. It's easier to look around us and go, yeah, mm." like that Rich Mullins song I talked about earlier. By the standards around here, I ain't doing that awful. Doing pretty darn good, actually, according, you know, looking at Susan and Jake and all the people around me and the people on the news and all the bad people, especially. And like, I'm not that bad. I'm actually pretty darn good. Like, this meme is about, like, we think we might be in 12th grade. We, might think, we think we might be in college. We think we might be in the university level, maybe the master's level, maybe the doctorate level. Sometimes when it comes to our standing before God and God's like, you ain't even at a kindergarten. And guess what? Nobody gets out of kindergarten. You know, Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, become. Like, like he's not saying you need to go back and, and become like a little child. He's saying, unless you start to understand that before God, when you stand before God, you're like a little kid. And actually, that's what you should be because that's the only way you get into the kingdom of heaven. That's what he said. But it's not that we become a child before God. It's that we are, but we need to change our perception to understand what we truly are in order to be able to get what God truly has for us, that's what that meme is about. It's about, like, (laughs) don't get too big for your britches. (laughs) You ever seen little kids wear adult clothes? Yeah, it's kind of like that. We may think we're soaring in the sky. We're just like, man, we're floating in the air. Like, we're reaching up there to the outer, you know, outskirts of the universe concerning God's standard, and we think we're doing really well, but no. Will always be in kindergarten, and like God has, God had a similar thing to say to Israel as they were entering the Promised Land. Listen to what He says, starting in chapter eight, verse two. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these forty years, in order to humble you, putting you to the test to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commands or not. And he humbled you and let you go hungry and fed you with the manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, in order to make you understand that man shall not live on bread alone, but shall live on everything that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Jesus quotes this. He calls himself the bread of heaven. And he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the father's mouth, right? Man, listen to this. You shall remember... Remember, remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you. Do you remember where you started with God? Do you remember how you got saved? Do you remember where you were? Do you remember the things God brought you out of? Do you remember how God saved you, how he's transformed your life? Has he? Have you been on a journey with God at all? Has God done great things in your life? Has God given you good things? Remember, remember, are you getting ready to go into greater things and God's blessing you and Do you remember who it was that has blessed you? Do you remember that God gave you everything? God's given you life. God's given you energy. God's given you focus and purpose and intellect and skills and abilities and talents and passion. And God has given you everything. You know, he says there, he says, 
man shall live, not on bread alone, but on everything that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Like, God, like, like we might just think, oh, what God has to say. No, like, you know God spoke the world into creation, right? He, when he speaks, it's not just words, it's power. It's everything. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, right? As one scripture says, which I don't have looked up, but hey, it's there. Look it up. Like, everything that comes out of God's mouth is everything we need and everything we have has come from God. Do you remember that? Do you know that? Remember, don't get too big for your britches. You're still in kindergarten, buddy. And then look, look, he says, he led you in order to humble you, right? Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That's a cool song. Like, that's a scripture. But like, God, God wanted to humble them. Why? Does God like to humble people and put them down? No, God's lifting us up. But he wants us to know our true standing. As he lifts us up, he wants us to know that he is lifting us up. And so he wants us to have a humble view of ourselves so we understand who he is and what he does in light of who we are and what we can do. And like, we need to be humble because that's what we truly are. When we stand before God and, and we walk with God and God blesses us, God's like, but don't forget. Remember, don't forget, I did this. You didn't do this. Like, do you, do you know? Did you come to God and be like, man, God, mm, man, you're lucky to get me. Look what I can do for you. <laughs> Sometimes we do that. Some people do that. They're like, they think they're God's gift to God, <laughs> to the world, right? They think they're God's gift to the world. Man, I'm going to do great things for God. And God's like, mm, really? You think I need you to do great things? Like he owns a thousand cattle or the cattle on a thousand hills, right? It's like God doesn't need you. He wants you. He wants you. But he wants to humble you just like he humbled Israel so that you understand your true place. As far as the heavens are above the earth. It's good to be humble before God because that's the right perspective in order to see truly our need and God's provision. So that's what God starts out with as Israel's entering or getting ready to enter the promised land. He's like, look, I spent like, why do you think they wandered for 40 years? We'll get uh, Moses or the author, whoever wrote this down. They'll get into the reasons why it took 40 years to humble Israel. But do you know it took 40 years to humble Israel? It took God 40 years to show them their true place, to let them know, to really teach them who they really are in light of who God really is so they could know, hey, it's not because of us. And that's exactly what we get to. And like, I like that part where he says, God fed you. He actually, he humbled you. He let you go hungry, right? And then fed you with manna. That seems a little cruel, right? Like, God, perp- like, no, God wanted to teach them dependence on him. So he allowed a certain circumstance to effervesce in their life, to humble them so that they would turn and go, God, we need you. And that's exactly what happened. They cried out to God for water. They cried out to God for bread, for food, because they, they were drawn into this wilderness. And in a wilderness, it's wild. There's no stable or, you know, easy to get f- source of food or water. And so God brought them out there for a reason, to teach them that they need him. But it took him 40 years. That's a long time. Actually, I think that's pretty realistic. When it comes to us being humbled before God, it can take a long time. You know, certain mystics like Richard War have this idea of first half of life, second half. Like, really, the idea is that it's going to take you about half your life to get to the point where you're actually humble enough to say, I can't do anything apart from you. Like Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It can take a long time for us to be humble enough to say, you know what, God? I'm not that great. 
and I really can't do anything. In order for us to become a little child, it takes a long time. It may take us 40 years like it took Israel. It took God 40 years to bring me to this point. I can tell you that. Maybe you're better. <laughs> Maybe you've just not been humbled. So, listen to this. Verse 7, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Okay, and he talks about that good land. And then verse 10, he says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land. And then verse 11, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments. Verse 12, otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied and you build good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks increase and your silver and gold increase... 14, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and the house of slavery. He who led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, thirsty ground. And 16, in the wilderness, it was he that fed you with, your, with manna, which your fathers didn't know. Like he did this new thing, right? Verse 17, otherwise you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth, but you are to remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So he's like, he's like, remember, 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 don't forget who did this. Like God's like, really, you, did you hear what he said? You... You will, but then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord. You know what? They did. I don't know if this is just the wording because this is, you know, originally in Hebrew, but is God saying you will? Like, does he, he does know that. Is he telling them here? Maybe he's like, I know you will because why? That's our tendency. When God blesses the heck out of us, when he blesses our socks off, at first, we're like, mm, so good, man. God, thank you so much. And then two years later, four years, 10 years, we're like, oh, yeah, man, look at, look at my life. And like, I work really hard. And you should just work as hard as me, right? This is the entitlement mentality sometimes. It's like, man, everything we have has been given to us. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget God. Sometimes it's just true. When we are blessed, when we're a blessed country and we have so much, like the, uh, like the United States of America or like European nations, like when you're a first world country and you have so much, guess what? You start to think, we did this. Look at our industry. Look at our economy. Look at how organized we are. And look at our roads and our, our infrastructure and our buildings and our city planning. And like, look at the amazing amenities that everybody had. Look at us. Look how good we are. Thanks, God. But really, thanks me. <laughs> we tend to forget. That's just natural. That's just, it's maybe natural is not the right word. That is just a normal phenomenon in the human mind to forget that God has given everything. So God's warning them, right? God says, verse 19, and it shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve and worship them. I testify against you today that you will certainly perish like the nations that the Lord eliminates from you. So you shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of your God, the Lord your God. Warning. It's a warning. When you're really blessed, be careful. Don't forget. If you forget, what, what happens when we forget is we turn to other gods. We don't worship false idols today. We don't have stone statues. Ah, wait a minute. What's an idol? Anything that competes with the supremacy of God in your life. Anything you look to other than God for help, for comfort, for healing, for purpose, for provision, like yourself. Like you, you, are, the, you are the worst idol 
to God in your life. You know that. that you, you have the greatest potential to be your worst idol. You. Because that was the lie of Satan. It's the lie we often still propagate and live in today. You can be like God. You can be your own God. You don't need God. You did this. You can do this. You don't need God. You don't need God. Forget God. God didn't really say that. God didn't really do that. It's you. You worked hard. What do you mean? <laughs> You're your own God. You brought all this. You made all this happen. You're smart. You're intelligent. You're strong. You're capable. You're you're skilled. You deserve it. You earned it. It's all yours. God didn't give it. Forget God. Mm, that's wrong. God's like that. Be warned. Follow false idols like your own strength, knowledge, power, wisdom. And you'll perish. Like God's, God's like, I'm going to remove my favor. If you start forgetting that, it, that all this is because of my favor. Um, I'm jumping ahead to Deuteronomy chapter 9. There's this one. Okay, so, you know, in chapter 9, he, God and the writer both start going through kind of the list of some of the things they did, like how they rebelled and they were stubborn and they struggled and they didn't trust. And Moses went up on the mountain to get the first Ten Commandments and came down and they were worshiping an idol, a golden calf. And he threw the tablets, they broke and God wanted to kill them and he interceded. And like there was all these different times where they just didn't trust and they didn't learn the lesson and it took 40 years. And finally after 40 years, a new generation came about that had lived long enough and learned to trust God in the desert. Right? So that's kind of Deuteronomy 9. And verse 23 to 24, it says, He's like, God sent them from Kadesh Barnea from when they first came to the promised land, because they came to the promised land at the beginning of those 40 years. He said, you know, go take possession. And it said, But you neither trusted him nor listened to his voice. You have been rebellious towards the Lord since the day I knew you. This is actually, um, I think this is Moses talking. He's like, ever since I've known you, like ever since I came and led you out of Egypt, you've been rebellious ever since the day, from the beginning, you've been rebellious, right? And then this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. This is a, uh, there's a, there's a Jewish name for this passage. It's like a really famous passage that they like to recite at certain festivals and certain times. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens and the earth and all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, you over all the other peoples, as it is this day. So circumcise your heart and do not stiffen your neck any longer. Like he started out earlier saying, you've, you've been rebellious from the beginning, right? And now he's like, hey, stop it. Stop being so hard-hearted and stiff-necked. Like, circumcise your heart. There's another passage that says, God, I, God, I will remove, God says, I will remove from them a heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Like, this hard-heartedness. Circumcision was removing something. And, you know, there was the literal circumcision that it was a mark of something for Israel. But it just was a mark to say that God wants to circumcise your hearts, which means remove this hardness and soften your heart to love God, to be in love with God. Right? Circumcise your heart. Don't be stiff-necked. The Lord your God. He's the God of the heavens and the earth and everything. Serve him. Don't forget him. What does the Lord require but to fear the Lord? Like fear of the Lord is walk humbly. I'm just in kindergarten. 
Man, you're awesome. You're doing so many good things for God. Yeah, thank you, but you know it's not me. You know what God had to do to chastise me, to humble me for 40 years? I've walked 40 years in the desert. I've been seven years in the wilderness. God has humbled me thousands and thousands of experiences that God has humbled me through to know that I did nothing and could do nothing to render me powerless, really to show that I am powerless, but to really take away the thought that I could do something in my own strength and power so that I would fear God. Fear of the Lord. It's not fearfulness, but it's a humble awe of like, man, I can't do a darn thing. I'm just a little kid in front of you, God. I'm just still in kindergarten. I can't do anything without you. I need you. Don't leave me. Like David, so many Psalms of David was like, God, he's so desperate for God. And God's like, "Mm, I love that guy. What a man after my own heart. (laughs) Dang it. Thank you, David. David so many times was like, I can't do it, God. I can't do it without you. I need you. I'm so desperate. And God's like, yeah, you are. And God's like looking at us going, are you desperate for me? And we're like, nah, pretty good here. When I, you know, break the glass emergency kind of prayer, like sometimes I do need you, God, like in emergencies, but pretty much I'm good. And God's like, you just don't know. David knew how desperate he was for God. He had a heart after God. And God's telling us, have a heart after me. Like, do you really know who you are in front of me? Are you really, have you been humbled? Do you understand you have nothing? Everything you have has been given. Do you understand? You're just a kid in kindergarten in front of God. And that's who you'll always be and where you'll always be. And it's not debasing. It's actually very uplifting to go, I can't do it, but with God I can. And because of God, I have. And that's my continual praise and worship and stance before God is, God, I cannot do it, but I know you can. And I've lived a long life of watching you do it for me. And damn, it's so awesome. I have such a testimony, but it's not me. It was never me. It's because I was able to tap into this relationship with God and really see him work mighty and powerful miracles through me and in me and for me. It's always God. It always will be God. You'll always be in kindergarten, in the schoolhouse of God. You'll always be in kindergarten. And if you can maintain that perspective, you'll really go far in kindergarten. (laughs) You'll learn a lot in kindergarten if you keep that mentality that you're in kindergarten. You're just a kid. You're just a child. You don't know anything. You can't do anything. You need God. Be desperate for God. Understand you're in kindergarten. You'll always be in kindergarten. Never forget. Remember Remember, remember, everything is God's. Everything comes from God. Everything you've done, will do, could do, hope to do, can only happen God through you, empowering you in your mind, heart, body, soul, spirit, right? Serve God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your might. Amen and amen. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. But the opposite is true. If you lift yourself up, then you don't let God. Then and you're like, you're telling God, like, I got this. I'm fine. I don't need you. We're good. Mm, idle, idle, idle. You've forgotten. You don't know. You haven't been humbled. You don't understand. You're in a desert. 
You think you're winning and you're losing. You think you're rising and you're falling. But you need to fall to rise. You got to humble yourself and you got to stay in that position. You are in kindergarten. Don't get too big for your britches. You're just a child. God's your father. You need him. Don't become your own idol. Don't make an idol out of the things God's given you and forget that God has given them. Remember who you are, who God is. Understand. In the schoolhouse of God, you'll always be in kindergarten, and that's good. You need to always remember you need God desperately every day, every moment. The things against you, you can't even begin to fathom. I've experienced spiritual things and spiritual principalities in the spiritual realms. Man, every time I got to fall on my freaking face before God and say, God, I can't. This is too big. I can't beat this. I can't. And God's like, damn straight, but I can. Call out. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Not just once, not just one time. I did it once. I'm good. Now I'm on my own. And thanks, God. Got this from here. Nope. Man, you cannot possibly imagine the forces against you. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. But it's he who is in you who's greater, not you. Don't forget. Remember. Be humble. You're a kid. You're in kindergarten. Hey, move up in kindergarten. Grow, learn. Like, even within kindergarten, there's a lot to learn, right? Okay? Grow, learn. What you're really learning is how to trust God in kindergarten, how to rely more on Him. You never get too big for God, for, the, for your need for God. You, don't get, you never get so big that you don't need God. Don't forget. You're always in kindergarten in the schoolhouse of God. Hey, guys, this has been a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. You can check out the meme on my website or other stuff, too. I love you guys. It's good to be humble. When we're humble, God's like, that's a person I can use. That's a person I can bless the socks off of because they're not going to stop. Or they're not going to start thinking it's them. Be humble. It's good. It's healthy. It's refreshing. Humble people, if you've ever been around humble people, kind, tender, generous, so easy to be around humble people. They're like, they're not trying to lord it over you or act like they're better than you. They're like, nah, they're not self-debasing. They're not crippled by self-doubt. They're, they have a confident, humble patience and peace. And you're like, wow, I like that person. They're not trying to show me up all the time and prove that they're better. They're just a really kind, humble, gentle person. Like, I love those people. God loves those people. Like, be those people. Be that person. Love you guys. Bye.